0: After more than four years of updates, patches, and tweaks, Street Fighter V feels like it might be more balanced than ever, perhaps with a few caveats. We discuss the particulars of this and then are joined by Dakota Dark Horse Hills and Nick Majinten Shinhan Taylor to talk the good, the bad, and the ugly of Grand Blue Fantasy Verses, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast.
1: We've got new intro music, and so welcome back to the Event Hubs
0: podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. You jumped on that fast. You changed your normal intro in order yeah. to talk about the intro music. You jumped on that so fast. I was excited for it as uh, as well. Yeah, I hope that people like it. If you guys comment and let us know if you like that new stuff, because uh, it's it's something we've been working with for uh, for a few weeks now, trying to get all the copyright info and... and, and um, Jump through all the hoops to get it, but we did, and here we are.
1: Yep, that comes to us uh, from our friend Hassan Fang, and uh, if you guys like it, you can check it out. Uh, there's a link up uh, on our podcast website, um, and then of course you can uh, you can just type in uh, Hassan Fang on Bandcamp and bring him right up. And uh, but yeah, it does a great job. It brings the hype here, and uh, that's what you're going to be hearing from us uh, each and every week when we when we bring it. So, speaking of the hype, I wanted to get right into it now and talk about is this John the best? Season of Street Fighter V that we've ever seen balance-wise. Is this the best the game has ever been from a balanced perspective?
0: Short answer, probably yes. Uh, th- I, I say probably because there are a lot of pieces of the puzzle that aren't set in place yet for me to give you any kind of sense of a conclusive yes, but hey, we have to work with what we have in front of us, and that's not a ton right now. All things like I don't we'll get into it and that'll be this entire segment. So I won't go into too many details right now, but I want to say, yeah, probably. How about you?
1: Yeah, yeah, So, I I mean, I'm kicking it off right there with a just super bold statement, right, and throwing it out there in front of people's faces, but yes, I think that immediately uh, for me that this is the best that Street Fighter V has ever been, and there's a lot of reasons that go into it. I mean, I'll jump actually way back in history now and talk about Street Fighter IV and just mention that people looked at that game and held it up on a pedestal, rightfully so, but they forget that it took us about a decade to get to that point. Yes, Ultra Street Fighter IV was amazing from a balanced perspective. And yes, they figured out so many things there, but it took them 10 years to get there, right? It was a long time to get there. Uh, Street Fighter V needed that maturity as well. And I think that, you know, what are we looking at about five or six years into the game? uh, I guess five years. um, We've got there now. You know, the game
0: looks and plays great uh but yes um, i think we're we're a little we're just past four years at this point uh, it's four season years and a few five months.
1: i'm saying five years yeah, fair enough. i we're, can't we're do that. we're into yeah. the fifth year that's fair to say <laughs> uh, i do want to i do
0: want to clarify though with street fighter 4 it was not ultra was the most well balanced of of all of the street fighter 4s and people were pretty happy about it we weren't constantly talking about how um the put it this way, the balance was not distracting people away from watching the action or from talking right. about anything else in the game. That said, we still had evil Ryu doing what he was doing, Yun, um, Elena wasn't so much a balance thing, but she was kind of a weird addition, and she's in that same sort of ballpark or arena. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and that wasn't perfect either. Uh, so, yes, and I something else to point out about Street Fighter V, when you're talking about balance as well, and Something that we've been saying since just about the beginning. I can remember just after it was—it uh, was a 16-character roster. We had gotten Fong, and it was a few weeks in, maybe a few months into the initial run, and we were saying this game feels uh, like it's the most balanced Street Fighter in terms of how far the the best character is from the worst character. Um, the, the the distance between those two was relatively shorter than it has been in, in I guess, most every other game, Street Fighter game before this. Um, that's not to say the game is super balanced, but it's to say that the gap between the best and the worst was uh, very, very small compared to other games. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's... The, the way I look at this is that the main complaints about Street Fighter V have been heavily addressed. Not entirely addressed, but heavily. And so I, I look at this from a character balance perspective as well. But I also look at this from a system mechanics perspective. And one of the things I'll immediately jump to here is whiff punishing of all things like that is kind of a staple in fighting games that you expect to happen and all of a sudden like it's gone from wish punishing to actually being able to whiff punish people on a consistent basis and then you know things like the unga bunga it is dramatically reduced like it's this is I mean you go back to season one and you look at it now and it's just like the wild stuff we were doing and learning to do um, and hadn't fully tapped into um, it's just it's not as prevalent as it once was like you're just not as rewarded for doing that um i'll cite things like anti-air jabs becoming far less of an issue they're still there you know but in prior seasons a lot of characters had these to dominant levels to the point where it was just really messing up the whole balance of the game um I'll go back again to fully invincible moves that they they, they, um, they made invincible moves starting require uh, to require meter and this was a change that people were massively upset about we we had people all up and down on Twitter and our comments everywhere just saying how dumb it was that you know if I'm gonna do a dragon punch and other stuff that it's gonna it has to take meter for it to be fully invincible well guess what um, being able to reverse momentum in a match ended up being very powerful in this game as we've seen and those complaints have completely gone away now that i've seen uh, maybe there's a few you know a few people still you know saying that it's unfair or whatever but overall people have been like yeah that's actually like in this game being able to reverse momentum is a huge deal and,
0: and you know you better spend meter to have that privilege basically and that's something that could be said for any fighting game the ability to reverse momentum but what you're saying there is it pertains to street fighter 5 is not lost on me either and this is one of those changes where DPs have been invincible without costing any extra meter for a long time in a lot of other titles, so people were used to that. When that changed, it certainly did feel like a shock, and it certainly did feel like a departure from the norm. One of those, not like a pillar that games that, that like Street Fighter games stand on, but something that's just been around as a matter-of-fact way of doing things for so long, and they changed it. And I think that was more of the shock and the distraction that came with that initial change. But we also found as a community that that particular change didn't change things. So uh, uh, it, it wasn't a problem in the long term. And we're all pretty much happy with it now. Um, if, if we're not happy with it, we're okay with it. It's not distracting away from uh, the rest of the gameplay.
1: Yeah. So uh, the next thing is um, throw loops were heavily nerfed, and once again, people felt that like the threat of the throw would be too minimal going forward, and that hasn't happened either. Throws are still very important here to Street Fighter Five. Uh, Punk plays under the name Take My Throw, which I love, and I mean, again, if you play a top level Karen player, uh, man, do you want to take the throw a lot and like do you ever struggle to do so it's just like when she's in your face and whiffing those buttons and doing those setups it's like uh but i mean there was a time in street fighter 5 history where you would see players like thrown like eight times in a row in tournament you know and that was just too much right the, the throw loops where it was pretty much a um a guaranteed like just throwing someone over and over again i always felt like hey tech it but it was just a little too dominant a little too good right and and, and again another decision that capcom made that held up well
0: Yeah, that's the one that echoes into so many other parts of the game because it really isn't the throw by itself that was the issue. It was the fact that if you went to try to avoid the throw, the punish for a shimmy or a frame trap was so severe that the answer really was take the throw. But to offset that, just that you could loop throw after throw after throw, what you were just saying, it it would just melt people's life bars on throws. And that game wasn't fun because the throw should be like, Uh, I'll take I'll take the not guaranteed, but the smaller return, because I have to more set a precedent like like make you worried about it enough to actually open yourself up to the big stuff. And when it when it was just almost equally as powerful, just because of the, the the dynamic there, it it again took away from the experience and was something that people were getting way frustrated over and feeling that sense of injustice when they were playing. Shout-outs to Injustice. N- nothing against you there, but uh, <laughs> right. Um, and, and, yeah, and so, like, another example of, of things getting changed, um, not only that it's not just in the microcosm of the, uh, the throw versus um, strike sort of situation but that echoes out into the rest of the game and because of the follow-up situations that do or don't happen as a result of that change taking place um, another big one I think was the uh, the V trigger changes and, and yes. how the damage scaling came along with those and both uh, I, I always put them in the same category as crush counter and V trigger activations that would cause mm-hmm. damage scaling if you comboed with those and and that's really nice it still sometimes feels, it's digestible, but you're if you're down to around a third of your life bar, your opponent if they have a V trigger that hasn't been activated yet, probably can kill you with one stray hit confirmation into that V trigger because the sequences that come out of there, um, especially if they can tag on a, a critical art at the end, you can die there. Um, but it's not you're dying from forty percent. You're not dying from like fifty percent in some cases. Like even more so, especially when you have some kind of a loop situation afterwards. Now. That's not completely gone from the game. but not only have those changes taken place, changes to uh, the other parts of the of other moving parts, including like the, the balance of the characters themselves, not perfect, but the uh, the addition of all of those together has made it so that uh, just this the back and forth, the amount of opportunities you have to try again to avoid getting hit, uh, there's a lot more control on both the small and large scales when you're approaching a round in Street Fighter V relative to how it felt just you know, through most of the game's life thus far.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I mean, usually to get those kill scenarios at, you know, 40% or or higher, you've got to have a super in there. And if you've managed to save up your super and you get get the V trigger, it's usually well earned at this point in time. You know, there's been some tweaks to basically, you know, damage to EX moves and a few other things that have been toned down, you know, and and the damage scaling, all that stuff, it adds up. And then supers, of course, they will only maximum scale to uh, 50%. Like you're always going to get 50% of the super damage in there, no matter how much. And so it's, it's, Maybe not perfect, but it definitely feels better, right? It feels like, damn, yeah, you know that that Ryu player saved up a super off Ryu beat you at this point. It's like it's a miracle in itself, right? But anyway, mm-hmm. if the Karen player saved up their, their super and got all the way there, it's like, yeah, that was pretty well earned. And you know, she got her meter gain nerfed in one of the seasons and all that kind of stuff. Like they found more of a happy medium there.
0: You know, yeah. You know, well, if we're gonna talk about this though, I have to do say that, or I have to say that Akuma is one of those characters where he's still. I don't want to say steals away rounds because that yes. kind of has its own connotation to it, but as far as V-trigger situations, picking up stray hits and converting them into a ton of damage, let alone the fact that if it doesn't kill you, you're either in the corner or like flipped around from having him in the corner. His his <laughs> He's got a lot of tools, and his advantages are vast and plenty, um, and he's one of those characters where... If you know, a stray air fireball tags you and that happens a lot mm-hmm. or or a number of other things happen, um especially his goofy angles with like demon flips and ex demon flips and the options that he's gonna come out of those with uh, a lot of stray hits there into V-Trigger, into death, or really good situations for him, that's one of those things that does start to kind of uh, you know, rub me the wrong way when I'm playing against Akumas. But the game is not littered with those kinds of things anymore. I suspect yeah. G is probably in that camp as well, but we're not seeing a lot of that. And and that's something we'll get into eventually. We have to, is just that we haven't seen that piece of the puzzle to um, to a full extent yet, I would argue. But we do right. have a lot of information to go off of, and hence, hey, here we are.
1: Yeah, and I, I yeah I do want to talk about more about the characters, but we'll just finish up here with system changes, um, and. Um I'll mention here that uh, gray health was also slowed down. Uh, it recovers actually half of what it did previously in the same amount of time. It created, um, I don't know if Street Fighter V necessarily needed it, but more of a sense of urgency here where in season one, you were seeing people kind of back off after they got a life lead like, hey, I'm gonna recover all of my health. Well, that you know was decreased by um, half and it's like, I, I remember people being very upset about that. And it's like, you know what? It's actually worked out pretty well. It's like, you can still recover your gray health and backing off is still a thing. It's just like, you can't back off so much where it's like, oh, I get a full recovery. It's like you're probably only going to recover maybe half, seventy five percent of like your gray health, especially after a certain point. And it's just, it's kind of altered the whole way the game is played to some degree,
0: right? It's a weird buff to like Fong, and I, I would say a nerf to Zangief, and then it depends on you know, I guess it's character to character as to if it helps you more or hurts you, hurts you, <laughs> but the um the change is interesting because this has been a game that has not had enough in the way of defense we've always said there needs to be defensive buffs for this game and it seems like this might be an offensive buff or a defensive nerf uh, when you think about it Um, that said again it hasn't been something that's like i haven't seen anyone really bring it up until the uh we initially spotted it the change happened i think at the beginning of season two the end of season one beginning of season two and it was it definitely caught everyone's attention there and we talked about it considered it and then it just like the dp thing hasn't been brought up as far as i've seen since
1: yeah Uh, Another thing that came up was actually command throws universally having more recovery added to them when they whiff. And what we saw previously is that characters would whiff um, their command grab and then like someone would jump over it or do whatever, uh, not get a full punish and get DP'd or just kind of get set up for something else. Like you could kind of whiff your command grab and you know not really options like just read into whatever the situation happened. And that was a very nice universal change where uh, I don't think command grab characters were ever dominating in Street Fighter V, but it was an unfair experience. Sometimes, where they get you cornered or get you set up for something, and they just command grab you, and like, oh, did it work?
0: Oh, okay, didn't work. Well, that's fine. You jumped. I'm still going to DP you. See, this is one of those changes where maybe it applied hardcore to Armika, something like that, who was one of the command grab characters that really floated to the top early on and then has even been a nuisance. Uh, Just ask catalyst uh pretty much since that time um even if she's not topped here she's certainly been on the radar for a lot of people and she certainly can get the job done uh and and she's like, like i say, one of those command grab characters a lot of the other ones though nicali uh, one of the the least deserving of this change in my humble opinion it's not biased at all but then like zangief and alex and such too it's like i don't know that we were really too worried about their the attention to a specific risk and reward kind of aspect of the game like this where it's clear that capcom is thinking in these terms given how many other things really needed this attention and they gave it to command grabs i was kind of like ah that's kind of lame and if i ever whiff a command grab like no one ever has trouble punishing me i can tell you that right now there have been certain situations and there are there, here's the other thing. There are plenty of moves that way don't have enough recovery. Yuri and knees, uh, Akuma Air Fireball for what they can do. And those moves still... Um, how many times does Bison <laughs> land after doing like a... Ah, uh, one of his scissor kicks, a slide or his uh, devil's reverse, and you go over him and he anti-airs your cross up. It's like this kind of thing shouldn't be happening with those kinds of moves. Command grabs, I think were fine if maybe Mika could use some nerfing in that department. So I didn't really agree with it, but it's not the worst thing in the world. So no, yeah. fine. Uh,
1: of all you know, of all the complaints we've heard, like this is not one people have ever you know asked to go back on, and we haven't seen command grab characters, you know, do that you know be dominant in the game um you know we had laura win capcom cup we had a few other things like that but i mean overall command grab characters are they're generally they're okay they're solid in this game that's pretty much where most people have them there's a few that are great most of them are kind of whatever but uh but yeah yeah so uh we've previously spoken about the health and stun buffs for many of the cast characters um uh the uh, cast members I should say and this also seems to have been very well received where the games are a little bit longer uh, things are kind of going well uh the actually the only complaints I've heard about this are when your character did not get them uh, <laughs> and even then they probably should have like <clears throat> not <clears throat> not uh, sorry a little cough there uh definitely should have got some health buffs there but um that's the only complaints I've heard it's like everyone kind of seems to universally say like yeah the health buffs are are good health and stun so are you happy that urian got health and stun buffs no but or i also G think he got a stun buff he, I think that uh, Urian in particular is highly overrated at this moment in time, just ridiculously overrated, where people are putting him at number one, and I think there's really no case for that at all,
0: uh, based on what the, I'm seeing. Uh, he's he's one of the characters that, if we're going to talk about balance and there being a problem, I I'd be happy to talk about Urian. But maybe we're not quite there yet in the podcast, but oh, yeah. we'll get there.
1: Urian will definitely come up for sure.
0: <laughs> I think we both had some,
1: some thoughts on that guy, but uh yeah. So. um Anyway, so so going through all these changes, I'm sure we can find people out there who dissent on, you know, you you even did on the command grabs, right? But for the majority of people that we talk to, they've held up well over time. And, and it's not just like, oh, yeah, they made one or two changes to the system mechanics or whatever. This is like, you know, we went through a, a laundry list of things there. And, and one thing we know very well in the community is if there's a change that they hate, they're not going to be silent about it. So... These things have had more of a stabilizing effect on the game where the results feel better. You feel like you're being rodless. You feel like you have more chances to kind of succeed. And, and, and that's, I feel, overall where the game is at and why I'm so adamant that I feel this is the best version of the game. And a lot of this stuff actually happened. A lot of these system changes happened in seasons one through three from about four and five onwards, like there were some tweaks to what they did, right? There was some alterations to some of the, you know, the core system mechanics, but like the big overhauls came in those seasons. And and that's, you know, and again, season four, we had such big issues with some of the characters, which we're just about to talk about now, um, that I, I, you know, I can't call it that, but season five seems to have heavily addressed that despite what you just mentioned of, yes, uh, especially now that we're getting into characters There are no offline tournaments that are happening at this moment in time. Um you know, and for good reasons. Um, but it's it's hard to fully judge that without that aspect of our community because that is such a important, very, very, very important part of what we do. And um, but right now, with yours and I's read on this, I think we both feel very strongly that um that this is, you know, the best that the game has ever been from a balanced perspective. And I, I wanted to outline some of the system reasons why. But of course, the elephant in the room is, you know. Rearing its ugly head here, that ugly Rashid and Akuma head and all that other kind of stuff. Mm. Um, But you were talking about Akuma, so let's get right back into him. Uh, As you mentioned about, and he is the biggest sore thumb in this game right now. Uh, I think he is way out of alignment in terms of balance. Uh, I think he's very close to what he was in season four. Um, and, And, you know, given how much everyone else was nerfed and how much Akuma was really not that touched heavily, I think he might be a worse problem than he was in season four.
0: I don't think he's um, I think he's one of the best but I still think he fits into the Akuma accepted like he's going to be one of the best type of characters and the, the glass cannon aspect of him really restricts most players from doing very well with him and but then you have those that can realize his high potential someone like Tokido doing what he did at Topanga and and you really see that, like, there's no way you can't call this one of the best characters in the game um, top. Maybe one for sure. Yeah, yeah. But but y- no one does what Tokido does with this character. There's some like but there's a pretty big gap. It's like you don't even see a whole lot of Akuma's in top eights. You see him in like top 32s definitely in top 64s he's not an unpopular character but he's pretty unpopular when you get to the tippy top some people poke through but like someone as good as Haitani hasn't been able to make the character work to the degree that we know someone like Haitani one of the, Jap- uh, the, the Japanese gods of fighting games um, can do right and um, so I, I do think he has he has been nerfed he was nerfed since last season although he did get a handful of buffs to his v skill 2 which nobody's really been using so there's that but he's already was such a good character character the um, the fact that maybe some of the other strong characters were nerfed around him is also a significant part of the equation there like Rashid getting getting knocked down as significantly as he did I think is a big deal um but but yeah he I'm I'm not certain that I'm willing to call Toki or uh, Akuma a sore thumb right now though Yeah, I personally have no issue with it, of course. (laughs) I think
1: that the character is pretty ridiculous. And from what I'm seeing when I'm playing other players and and who I've seen stick with the guy, like no one has dropped him. Um, It's why would you drop, you know, probably the best character in the game? Uh, That to me is always a poor sign of bad balance where. um, Characters if they are dominant and Akuma was dominant in season four, you need to be adjusting them and you need to be very clearly adjusting them down. And I get the, the nerfs that Akuma has, but all the rest of his tools, as you mentioned, like every tool he has is an A minus. So, so when efficient. You, yeah, yeah. When you adjust some of those down to like a B or whatever, it's like, Oh, that's great. Now I'm just going to use my other A minus tools. Yeehaw, you know, kind of thing. And it's just like, Damn it. You know, like and I get he lost some of his brain dead stuff. Thank goodness. Like the, right. the you
0: know, the red fireball into, you know, V trigger cancel was just stupid beyond. Just any belief. fireball with a whiff into V trigger cancel, that was that was getting him so much. And yeah. and yes, it's I like that you put it like the BS stuff, the the or just the goofy things that were, were extra that the character clearly didn't need that might not have even been intended, just kind of slipped through the cracks when they were designing him, whatever. Um and and he did lose that, but his his fundamental solid stuff is very efficient as well. And so I think that's the difference between him and, and similar other characters that might be able to float to the top with non-valid stuff. It's just that Akuma had non-valid stuff and valid stuff. They yeah. kind of got rid of some of the fluffy on top stuff, but when they did that to other characters, they'll drop down. But Akuma, he's still, he's like, all right, well, I can still side switch out of the corner to put you there. I can still pick up a combo from anywhere. If I do, he's got built in little frame traps with like the, the hop move, for instance, is a forward fierce. And then like, if that hits, he can still connect the knee and then get his full combo from distances where characters like, you know, uh, Nicali or Kage, I know from firsthand experience cannot do. And that's a big thing in Street Fighter V is that you're, a lot of combos are distance dependent. And I'm sure that Akuma has examples of that, but I see him uh, hit from so far away and still be able to pick up so many things. And that is a special, uh, a fairly rare characteristic that's going to immediately shoot you up the ladder when you have something like that. So he's got things along those lines that others just don't have. And then, I mean, some characters might, but he has all of them. Yeah, Yeah. I want to see his health and stun drop down again. Um, and
1: uh, uh, I think that was the right choice. And ever since they they dropped a, or they improved his health and stun, he shot up the tier list. And it's just like it drop that crap down. He's got way too many good tools. And, and his uh, his history here is having way reduced health and stun. That's what he is. But he's at the same level as Cammy I think. Um, and uh, it's it, 900 health and stun is what he's at. So it's get rid of that. You know, he doesn't need it. It's it's he's a way. He's just too damn well rounded. Now Cami is up to 925, I should say, because she got the buffs as well but uh but yeah what about if he didn't put
0: what if he just didn't do as much damage or is that too slippery a slope or does that affect too many parts (laughs) of the character
1: I mean I, I think there's I think there's a hundred ways we could balance Akuma you know like I mean one of the things I, I feel is completely unearned is just the angles and the ways that he can throw his air fireballs and, and be like plus 16 on hit with a non ex move and it's just like he doesn't need that like the the, the ridiculous nature of him being able to throw out a, a fireball an air fireball have it hit you in the head and then like make a sandwich and come back and he can hit from from it's, it's just bull crap it's like it that cheapens the game if you ask me that's still the stuff I would like to see addressed and I get you know his air fireballs are his iconic move they're just too Mm -hmm. freaking good like why have them that good they're still going to be good you just don't need to make them freaking
0: plus 16 on hit but uh Hmm. but yeah and you know we were talking earlier about you know these character or previous street fighter games the balance there there has been progress made in the Street Fighter V, uh, because Kume traditionally has been able to jump backwards and throw his air fireball, and, um, and and that was from the start not a thing in Street Fighter V, uh, but you can imagine how much more powerful the character would be with that traditional tool that he's almost always had, and, and there are little things like that, so just something to acknowledge that there has been progress made from game to game in these arenas. Yeah, uh, just nerf that guy more damn it (laughs) I just i i it's he
1: could we not have akuma be just godlike you know for one season here like can we just knock him down to a point where he's just good you know like seriously uh that would be nice to see again but um but that's not what you think yeah. What would
0: you do like hack off 25 health and stun or 50 uh, Yeah, and, and just those those air fireballs for sure.
1: Those are the main two things I would do. It's like, look, you don't get every privilege on the planet anymore as you play Akuma. You're you're going to get knocked down. And again, I get Rashid was a way bigger issue. I agree with that, but now that big issue is Akuma and Capcom seems to be struggling to figure out what to do. And, and just air fireballs are just bullcrap like they they can still
0: be great, just don't have them be insane. I with think you the- should have way more recovery on landing after an yeah. air fireball, so that like. Uh, well i'd have to sit and think on this but this is just a uh, right off the top of my head and this might be crazy but air fireball the recovery is if he if you block it when he lands then he shouldn't be able to put uh, much he shouldn't be able to walk up on you more um, and and if you've been hit the most he's going to be able to get is a jab combo afterwards not a full medium combo or even more after having been able to walk forward now like how do you do that because an air fireball is such a strong tool just naturally speaking, uh, I mean, you, you absolutely could, you know, Falk has air fireballs and I don't know that she's able to do near the kind of stuff that Akuma can with his. So um, it would take a lot of, a lot more, you know, under the microscope inspection, but I I do think he has way too fast recovery. We just got this, this change with Guile with his
1: V-Skill too. He has an air fireball as well. And Capcom's like, this is too good. Let's adjust it. And, and his air fireball is nothing what, uh, what Akuma can do. You know? And there are certain characters in the game that really struggle against air fireballs. Alex is one of them. So Akuma beats him up really well. And it's just like that's a, that's a game changer for a lot of matchups in the game. You can't have a tool that is that good be that strong. Like it's, it controls massive matchups in this game and Akuma can just kind of throw it out willy nilly without, you know, with little thoughts to the spacing or precision that most other characters have to look at. And he just don't do that like it's it's stupid it's a very foolish design to have i get it that's his iconic move and it's like well, you know maybe it's-
0: if he maybe if he had like a little hop back uh you know animation in the air after he threw it where he bounces like like he throws it and instead of just going with momentum with the fireball after he tosses it it kind of pushes him back and he and he he falls backwards a little bit and then lands you know something like that would change the frame data to it change its utility a little bit i mean you still get a downward angled moving projectile that ...that doesn't have a hurt box, two of them if you throw an EX and there's so much potential you can do with that. When we know that having characters in just poor situations with either frame data or, um, uh, just, you know, with some kind of a trap on the screen, how powerful that can be. It usually costs some form of meter or, or some kind of sacrifice. And Akuma's got one of the best moves in the entire game and he can do yeah. it for free. So,
1: yeah, it, it's, uh, so I've been rallying against that for like, uh, since season four. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I Freaking Akuma. That's, that's, I'm throwing my, I'm throwing my hands up in the air. But you know what? Um, so Akuma's sticking out like a sore thumb, but some of the other sore thumbs that have been addressed in previous seasons to remind people in season one, we had a flood of Chun Li players. Our Amika was in full beast mode. Mm -hmm. We go into season two, we have the character you wanted to mention. Ryu. Ryu was an argument in season one, too. That guy was a, That he a jerk. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, but Ryu got nerfed to oblivion. And I, I was like, I was, so I was considering, like, you know, bringing him up is that such a good idea you know kind of thing i worried about that a little bit um but yes you're right and i mean in season one we, there were so many other characters that were just way out of alignment and if you kept them intact like they would have just been blowing up the game right but i, I wanted to get kind of like the heavy hitters but uh, moving on to season two we had urian balrog and laura um All three of those characters were just robbing the heck out of people, were just way too strong,
0: um, and they got fully addressed. um, Birdie Birdie was a big issue, not because he was necessarily the strongest on paper, but he had so many goofy little trap situations that he could could almost play his own style of game, uh, um, almost like you know playing online versus offline the the difference there would be similar to like the difference you would have to play against birdie because he had so many of those goofy trap just do it moves where i mean i mean the character won capcom cup too so like he was no slouch right and uh and i think he was definitely an issue he was a distracting character uh for for bad reasons when it came to balance in season two
1: absolutely and, and it's just a, a lot of those things like uh, as you mentioned they weren't high up on the radar but they got tweaked kind of like For some people, they were higher on the radar, but for a lot of people, it's just like they kind of happened behind the scenes, and he fell into alignment of where he should be, right? There's a lot of cases for that. Um, And then in season three, we had Abigail, Manat, and Guile. Both Abigail and Manat were highly oppressive top-tier characters in season three. Who could shut down the other cast too well and while i know some of the mains of those characters were upset at the nerfs i think the adjustments have held up very well over time all things considered um they were just dominating tournaments a little bit too much for what they were uh and then season three Guile was nerfed from being great at every
0: freaking thing in the game so yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> both offense and defense and we should also <laughs> point out that although he wasn't necessarily the talk of the town Um, You have to say that Rashid was been in like kind of the background of the top tiers doing his thing. Um, He wasn't, uh, he didn't grab as much spotlight as these other characters did uh, until they kind of got nerfed and he was there to be center stage in a lot of ways, but he was certainly there for a lot of it. And lest we forget, Cammy was a super pain in the butt through a lot of this game where she just kept getting buffs, even though she was clearly in like the top five and she's buff, 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 buff. And that became a meme um, for a while until she was regulated. Yeah, so you bring up Rashid,
1: and uh, that had to be number one on the list for the majority of people in recent times. And if you think that guy is still fully intact, I'm sorry. I think you're living in a very different reality than other people are. Um, Rashid is considerably worse from where he was in season four and past seasons, as you brought up. uh, Where you put him is up for debate, you know, I'm sure. Like, you can kind of have him wherever. I personally have him around the top 15 range. Uh, He could be better or worse, uh, but I think that's a fair spot for him right now. And he was a plague of, of season four. Like he would just got really annoying. And, and I personally think that he has been heavily addressed. Uh, I saw today that some people still have him in the top five. Hey, you know what? Good luck with that. Uh, and I'll get into the reasons why here in just a second. But I mean, it, it's if you don't think Rashid has been addressed at all, like I'm I want to hear your arguments for it, you know, because all I'm seeing right now is a few tweets and Twitter is just a horrible place to have a discussion on pretty much anything because the character limits and the format just suck. Um, so, I, I mean, but yeah, I mean, from what I'm seeing, it's like Rashid definitely got hit and he got hit hard. Um, if you still think he's intact, I again, l- let me know why. But, uh, But yeah.
0: Yeah, I, there are two major, and I'm sure there are more than that, but two major, uh, kind of wells that I draw from when trying to assess the, the most broken or distractingly good characters in any given season. And I will say that I have a, a decent track record of, of, you know, identifying some of these, some of these are very obvious, some of them not so much for a while, but, um, You know, like, it's just from playing and experiencing in both your locals and online. Now, right now, we've really only had online and then maybe some locals, depending on how much you played before, uh, we all had to stay indoors. But we also don't have a ton of the other well, which is the competitive scene, which we've we've brought up a few times now. And I'm, as I personally play, I'm not feeling feeling the direct effects of any certain character just being over the top ridiculous part of that is because i've kind of just gotten used to certain characters being what they are you know i'm like i have an expectation going in against bison where if something crazy happens i'm kind of just like yeah well it's tuesday and it's bison same thing with urian you know akuma g characters like that um, and, and so my personal uh, uh, alarm system hasn't really gone off for anybody. Now I haven't also been playing the game as much as I used to in other seasons, so there's that as well. So my view of this is fairly limited. But I will say that from what I've seen so far, nothing is alarming me. Then on the competitive side of things, we've only seen a couple of like Japanese majors, and then one or two, um, you know, like stateside and and and, and places uh, other other places where. Um we've seen competitions and the the information there has been great. There's been a lot that we've garnered from it, but it certainly hasn't been well rounded. And that part of the puzzle is so significant when this yeah. the community generally assesses because the narrative always changes as soon as a character starts to emerge as being consistent in the competitive realm and there's usually a character too that emerges that we didn't feel like was necessarily a huge problem and there's always a few characters that we feel like oh man this is the year of so-and-so this character is going to be dominating the top eights it's all going to be yurian or whatever and then that character is nowhere to be found when it comes to actual competition so you really need to sample thoroughly out of both wells and we like i say haven't been able to do that yet um, so I leave some room at the end of this conversation to say there's, there's a big asterisk and it's that this could all be, you know, we could get a piece of evidence once things start up again, that turns a lot of this on its head, but mm-hmm. from what we can see right now. So take this all with that particular grain of salt. people. It, and I will
1: say, I, I don't think,
0: um, I don't think the a lot of this is applicable.
1: I think that some of this would be applicable. I we, We've been doing this a long time. Our reads on this stuff are pretty good. You know, and if Akuma comes out and he's the worst character in the game, please let us know. That happens. Oh. <laughs> but I think we have a pretty decent read on this stuff, you know, and uh, not that we know all this stuff, but it... it We've been doing this a long time, so we, we generally have a, a, an idea of where stuff is going to shake up. But it is it, it is a significant part of the puzzle that you were well, talking about there. That's you not and I
0: disagree me. a little bit, you know, because yep. mm. I'm thinking Yurian is still one of those like problem children that and and I don't think he's necessarily more so than than previously uh, uh, because he's had basically a lot of the same tools. Now uh, an outlier there might be his V skill two changing things up and and maybe that unlocks another part of his play that we didn't see previously something along those lines but just the way that guy i don't have to go over it too much the, the way the characters normals work the risk reward that comes with those and the way a lot of his specials work just give him an advantage over so many other characters where think when when you throw everything up in the air and it comes down um and and it's kind of like random or chaotic his he's gonna come out on top more often than a lot of the rest of the cast i think that's just a good way of putting it
1: now i agree with you on that but the, what we've just talked about is the game is favoring that playstyle a lot less than it ever has before that's true and 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 again he was specifically nerfed in those regards like with a stand heavy punch that was specifically knocked down that playstyle, like i'm seeing Urian way less often and, and the people putting out number one i just don't get it at all i firmly disagree with that. I do not think there's a case on the planet where he is the number one character in the game. Uh, it just maybe he's top five. I mean, I'm, I'm not hardcore disagreeing with that. But like top one over Akuma or G? Hell no, that ain't happening like that. I, I have looked at the, the the usage on CFN, which we'll get into here with uh, Rashida here in a second. But I'm not seeing it like urine is a definition of overhype to me when you're putting him at number one.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm, – I couldn't am put him at number one um, because I, I don't know it on that level of detail yet. But I would say Yuri in top three is, is easy. Top five is almost certain. Okay. Hey,
1: I, I'm not disagreeing with that yet. It, it's I, – I don't – I'm not that high on the character. I'd have him in my top ten, you know, but I don't know about top five for me because I, I think, like, characters like Ibuki and other stuff are going to shake out a little bit better long term. But he's still good. You know, he's still really good. Um, but, yeah, it's it, – I, I guess I, I I bristle a little bit when I see people you know like uh, tokito and others putting urine at number one and like his urian is the most raw and terrible pro yurian I've seen in my life I'm not even joking online urians are better than what tokito was doing and, and he's like putting the character at number one and I'm like dude you suck with the character like please pull him out in tournament so people can laugh at you at how bad he is and again I really think it comes down
0: to, to Tokito was sandbagging and just trying to avoid Akuma nerfs which worked so I'm sure playing. and that's that's a single example but I will also say that Nemo is one of the best players to walk the planet plays Urian and has a lot uh, of success nope, you're wrong uh, Nemo plays Gil well uh, Nemo has played Urian, rather I could say and 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 has had not as much success as as w- how i personally feel Yurian should be just like how high up the tier list and and then combined with Nemo's skill that equation leads to more success than i think nemo has had so taking oh, okay. that into well account, i have to
1: jump in and and, and say if if gill or Gil, uh, if urian's a number one character why would nemo drop him for gill
0: right right and so well i'm, I'm basically playing devil's advocate away okay, from from my fair side enough. and, and kind of like you know, going towards your to to say that Urian might not be as good as we perceive, and it might be that this is a character that does a lot better online and in lower levels of play than he does at higher levels of play. That's what kind of the the evidence, especially coming out of the competitive side of the coin, is telling me at least. So that might be a thing too. So uh, yeah, I, I can I there's an argument that Yurian isn't as good as my heart feels like he is, and and I can't ignore that. Um but one of ahead. the things I'll throw out there too is that
1: um Dogura used to play Yurian a lot and he switched over to Bison. If Yurian's now the number one character in the game, why did Dogra stick with Bison and Topanga? You know it, it's uh, the evidence is not there. The evidence is there for Tokito sandbagging like a bastard and winning a bunch of money. And again, I I say bastard with every bit of freaking respect. That was a brilliant move. And and you know what? If I'm a pro player, I might do the exact same thing. That was brilliant. But... I run a podcast and a website where we have to dish what the truth is of the matter. We don't have any money writing on this stuff. We need to tell people what we think is
0: going on, and, and yeah. So. Well, and the reason people feel that way about this character is because you see his individual tools, especially when you're playing against him, and it feels so damn oppressive. That crouching medium kick, still a standing fierce, and now the quarrel kick, um, and then all of his just-do-its and the situations that he can get in. Plus, he ha- he's he's a tall, like kind of relatively lankier character with mm-hmm. really good reach but he's got like this not quite chun li reach with a lot more strength and like damage output than chun li normally would have and so he's kind of got again A minuses across like the entire board and when you have that kind of a thing and you feel the effects of that when you see your move just barely whiff because of the way standing fierce punch slightly moves his hurt box back for a minute and then comes down and murders you or how fast crouching medium kick comes out for how far it goes with this character juggled with all of his other tools and the potential of just do it moves anytime and you go there's no way this character can't be amazing now again you contrast that with well he hasn't been amazing in competitive play and i you got to hold that so that's part of the equation too but i think that's why people are feeling this way because when you're playing against them you see those individual tools and you're like man if i had that or if i had that or if i had all of those together i would be the best character in the game and it really does feel that way when you're playing characters like urian yeah the the younger bunga it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth and you you feel
1: so robbed and you feel like those characters are sometimes better than they are right um but but yeah
0: um we, we, we have to talk about g in this discussion though don't we
1: uh, i mean we can uh yeah actually so let me get into this because it will help kind of set up the g conversation sure. i, I want to address Rashid. and this is the classic Rashid watch 2020 thing i keep going back to the the seven best Rashid players out there what are they doing right now since the patch hit and a number of them are putting out tier lists list and still saying that Rashid is number one are up there top five right uh but dual kevin on his account cfn he's on g uh big bird He's uh, also playing G mostly in battle lounges, but he was bullish on Rashid being strong still post-patch. So we'll see where he ends up with when the chips are down, because he is a noted it Tears enthusiast there. Uh, John Takeuchi playing Cody since the patch came out. Oil King playing Seth. Um... Still playing Rashid were Gachakun, Moki, and Jb. Uh, Gachakun had a little bit of Sagat in there, and Moke had a little bit of Kami, but not enough to really like you know they're they're maining Rashid still. So three of the seven Rashid players are sticking with them for the time being, but four of them are actively playing other characters. Two of them, the guy you just mentioned, G.
0: Yeah and g is one of those characters that we haven't seen much in the competitive realm and people are still sticking with him as one of the potential best one because of what we can see on paper and what we've experienced thus far given that he wasn't nerfed i'm also convinced that the crouching heavy punch anti-air wasn't nerfed at all even though they say it was because that thing still hits like a reading rainbow over his head no matter where you are that uh anyways and then, then he gets, like, a buff to his crouching medium kick. So the character was what he was. Other characters were nerfed around him. And you're just like, uh, uh, there's no way this isn't going to emerge as, like, sure, G might have a harder time in neutral at the beginning, although he has some pretty good neutral, just not great walk speed and such. But he has to play that game. Then once you get into V-trigger shenanigans and those situations, especially if if other characters aren't as powerful in those particular avenues. Oh, by the way, he also got more stun. <laughs> and and. You're like, there's no way this isn't the best character, but we haven't seen evidence of it yet. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's prevalent enough online. I don't know that I've even run into a single G player since Champion Edition dropped. And again, I haven't hmm. played as much, but I, I, I haven't been running into them, so they're they're not in my area with strong enough connections to play with me. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. But even all that said everyone still is just matter of fact like yeah he's going to be the best and maybe he's one of those characters like i was just saying that where people go there's this is the one we're going to see him all up and down top eights and there's just like nowhere to be found like maybe one gets in here or there and then there's a handful in top 32 but outside of that just not a, a, a real force in the competitive scene but like, even me saying that right now, I'm like, there's no chance in hell that's going to be the case. But yeah, I, we've seen I it agree. before.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, Knuckle is going to play him. Uh, a bunch of other people. I mean, I just listed off two very strong players in Duel Kevin and Big Bird who are going to play him. Uh, I mean, we're seeing it a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think Akuma's personally better. Just, like, a slight edge. You know, not a gigantic edge, but it's there. Um, but G has got some dominating matchups where you couple his uh, V-Skill 2 and some of the other stuff you can do with like his fireball and, and it's just like he can create some checkmate scenarios where you're down to like 25 health and he's like at 50 health and it's like your odds of making a comeback there are just abysmal like you mm-hmm. it's it, I, I call it a checkmate scenario It's probably more like 90% odds you've lost the game and, mm-hmm. and people will see in tournament especially you see a Zangief against a G player who's using V skill 2 and he gets fully powered up and it's like Okay, sure. The Zangief player can make fifty right reads and win the match, um, but he's got to get in, you know, fifty times. Do it. 50 is facetious, but five or ten times or something like that. That's a realistic. Like he has to get in five times because damage scaling at thirty, and just the wall that G. Oh my goodness! And then you know, say he does that. Well, G has got V trigger one still coming, and it's just I have played against Dream King multiple times where it's just he has created that checkmate scenario, and. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to build meter. There's literally my odds of winning this are abysmal right now. And it's just when you see that, you start feeling depressed about how good G can be in this game. But even then, I still feel Akuma's better. Um, and it that's that's how strong I think Akuma is in this season. But, mm-hmm. but yeah.
0: Plus, wheel kick anti-airs are dumb. Now, I want to—we uh, <laughs> should probably wrap this up fairly yes. soon. And there's—I want to speak to why we might still be able to make the statement— given what we've discussed how limited our understanding of things are right now, why we could still make the statement that this is the most balanced version of the game yet. And that would be because, yes, uh, the stuff that we just listed about G, Yuri, and Akuma, and, and the top tiers, uh, or I guess I should say the top tier potentials, they have clear advantages that when you just play the numbers game, you have them, you know, you run the simula- the simulator, they're going to come out on top in certain situations, just mathematically, more often than others. Okay, given, that's fine. That's always going to be the case in a fighting game at t- to some extent. But the reduction of all the things that we went over earlier, you know, the the, the input lag being less. The damage output and such, the throw loops, those things have all gone into making the game, um, uh, giving players more of a sense of control and uh, over their destiny. Yeah. Whether that be because they're able to react faster with the less input lag or they're given more opportunities to try to defend because they're not being KO'd immediately because of the damage output thanks to reductions in the um in the uh, uh, damage scaling, things along those lines. It's given people more of a sense of control. Now you put all of those things together and um, say you're playing a character, like I play, I'd say mid high tiers in uh, Nikali or Kage. And how do I feel approaching the game it feels as though I have more of a chance even against the strongest characters right now. Why? Because of that sense of control. I don't have to... It's not as much of a death sentence when they do their crazy stuff, and I'm still able to play a sense of of footsies, and that's a big deal. Because at the end of the day, even if I'm playing someone like Karen or Akuma who's going to have faster walk speed and really good buttons on me and I want to play footsies with her... I can still, or him. I can still um, play that game, and even if I'm at a disadvantage, it doesn't feel hopeless. If I see that they're doing moves at a certain range, I can identify that, and I can do something about that with my higher priority normals, in uh, with a sense of control that I don't think I had before, and that is giving more and more characters the ability to to hang in there. Are they as good? No, no way. But have they? Has the gap been? um lessened between well i don't know about alex he's a, he's a meme character or something. <laughs> but but it's clearly happened with characters like kage and and a lot of others the ability to play footsies in this game and not rely so heavily on just do it normals the specials are still there but for whatever reason i'm not completely understanding why yet but they're not coming out seemingly as often and hey i'll take it um but because of those things the greater sense of control you have the ability to win even if your character isn't the best. And hey, we even saw that last season with uh with with Idom winning Capcom Cup with Laura and Poison, right? Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, everyone I don't want to say everyone's valid, but it feels like everyone's more valid and maybe the gap between the best and um and the valid tiers is not as wide as it used to be.
1: And I again I go back to history a lot. History shows that In Street Fighter 4 when we got to Ultra, yes, there were still lopsided characters with Yan and Evil Ryu, but all the other characters had gotten better through the system mechanic changes and other things like that. uh, And and some of the highly oppressive stuff that was there in previous uh, iterations of the game had had been toned down or gotten rid of. All that stuff adds up to a more collectively better balanced game. And, and it's, it can be hard to kind of see it in a vacuum where you just look at one or two changes and you go, well, how has that really impacted stuff? But then you look at the overall map being just kind of rewritten and redrawn out and and you see oh wow like that really adds up it's it's some of the podcasts we've had before very recently we've been like man i didn't expect stun and health to make this big of a difference but like here's why you know and and all this stuff it, history shows this works and i'm really glad to see that capcom is bringing in their past history that has worked into street fighter 5 now and i'm not saying the game is perfect you're not either but also we are saying that we do feel the game is better and it's a
0: it's a great time to play it you know it's not perfect but it is better. Absolutely. All right, going on to part two of our Event Hubs podcast. I think this is the 97th episode off the top of my head, but we are being joined by special guests, and that's two special guests. Dakota Dark Horse Hills. Say hi, Dakota. Hey-oh. <laughs> I expect nothing less. That's almost always how Dakota and <laughs> yeah. I greet each other when we say hi at work. And then uh, you guys know him, you love him. Nicholas Majin Taylor.
2: Hey, thanks for having me
0: absolutely and we are here to talk about the latest craze the new craze in the fighting game community and that is of course grand blue fantasy versus taking the fgc by storm hearing a lot of good things about it a few not so good things about it both of these guys have been playing it actively oh actually john catalyst you've jumped into it as well right that's correct i've got about eight hours total time on it (laughs) how many hours (laughs) do you guys have would you guess
2: guess uh Man, I don't know. Uh, I've only played it offline almost, but maybe like 30, something like that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm probably about the 25 to 30-ish range, I'd say. Okay, cool. So that that gives you guys an idea of how much we've been exploring this and such. And um, Like I say, from what I'm hearing, a lot of good so far, and we'll talk about the good, but I wanted to kick us off with something kind of juicy and talk about the game's DLC practices and how they've been kind of... Uh, received is questionable and dakota you and i were chatting about this a little bit so i'll let you kick this off um but what have we been seeing as far as dlc characters and whatnot that's been a little bit uh a little bit iffy
3: well i don't remember i guess off the top of my head how far ahead of the game's release it was but for whatever reason the publisher psi games thought that it would be a good idea to reveal not one but two season passes before the game was out or maybe even had a final release date and the second one i is a real head scratcher except for the fact that i think they just wanted to to get the information out there that belial was coming as a character and because that's pretty much all they said about season pass two and then so the game launched with 11 characters total as a base roster and then you can unlock peels above as a 12th but he's also part of the season pass one and kind of the issue in that comes with the fact that, A, nobody likes day one DLC, and for the Western players, we got two DLC characters on day one, pretty much, with Beelzebub and Narmaya. Mm-hmm. And you're pretty much you know dropping 60 bucks on a full price game, and then kind of asking players that want to keep up to drop an additional 30 right off the bat, just to play day one. And it's, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow for some people. And I I get both sides. I think that they should have gone a route like some former Arxis-developed games have gone, which would have been, like, maybe discounting Season Pass 1 for about the first month or so, making it, like, $15 instead of 30 getting people in the mm-hmm. door, making the pill go down a little easier, <laughs> so you'd say. Because, sure. I mean, going back even, like... Uh, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax gave away its first, I think, was it two characters for free after launch. And BB Tag gave out a handful of characters after its launch for free as well for a limited amount of time. So I think that what they decided to do here just doesn't put the game that is otherwise immaculate, in my opinion, in a very good light. <laughs>
0: Well, and then that's been a thing, right? With It's become matter-of-fact that like DLC, extra characters, and content beyond them, but especially extra characters, has become part of the fighting game formula in modern times. And it's an expectation that there's going to be most likely additional characters to come in, and that'll be part of the excitement and the ongoing development of the game, yada yada. But when you want to get your players in the door right at the beginning, you got to give them the good stuff. you got to give them the deals, the sales, like the alluring... Um, um, you Know the, like I say, the good stuff, then that's we saw that across the board, not only in um, um, the games you were talking about, but like uh, what was it in uh, Samurai Showdown? They were giving their DLC passes away for free, right? If you if you pre order the game, or you'd like you, you didn't even have to fully pay for anything at that point, yeah. It was, like I, I think, I have the DLC and I've never played the game. It was the
3: first for Samurai Showdown week or the first month, yeah, they gave away season pass one for free on PS4 right. and Xbox,
2: uh, the first weekend actually.
0: Yeah, you, see, you have those like unlockable characters that like, I guess it sort of does that in Grand Blue, right? But the what I'm getting from this, though, is that it sounded like they're going, here's a $60 game, and then you're also going to want to pay for this extra $30 because we're already doing that DLC thing immediately, which that's kind of questionable to begin with. So it becomes a $90 game if you want the full experience. And it, it, just all off on day one, it feels like they're trying to nickel and dime you instead of getting you in the door, making you feel comfortable, and then nickeling and diming you like a like a grown up. But Nick, how did you feel about
2: all this? I mean, you're talking about nickel and diming from a mobile game developer. That is what they oh, do. Okay. I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, not that is not in any way excusing it. I'm just saying, like anyone. Like, games aren't that bad as far as uh, mobile game developers go, but they're still a mobile game developer. I think, like, Shadowverse, one of their other games, is very fair with it, while Granblue itself isn't that fair with it. Uh, So I think everyone who knew, like, the source company was kind of expecting this. I'm actually kind of surprised at them not nickel and diming you more, to be honest, but... Yeah, it's hard because I wrote pieces before as well about, like, Mm -hmm. companies need to look not necessarily at how they're doing business, because I think that's kind of rigidly set in stone at this point with how they're doing DLC and everything. You know, no game actually costs $60 because you'll need this extra thing and this extra thing. But they need to look at how they're presenting it, because, like, ripping your consumers off, that's what they're all going to do. But they need to convince the consumer they're not being ripped off. And that was kind of a shocker with how Psygames presented this, because it was about three months before launch. They just went ahead and, like Dakota said, showed two season passes and they were like, oh, yeah, Belial is coming in a second character pass. And it's like, okay, it's entirely possible that these characters simply weren't ready by launch, you know? Uh, and that's the case with a lot of fighting games they have content planned for the future it's not ready at launch even if you can see some of it like Beelzebub is in the story mode but he was different because he was a boss character uh, I mean if you've played the RPG mode you'll know what I mean because he doesn't even have his moveset he just does all kinds of flipped stuff um, So, so you had like them possibly not being ready at launch but then you shouldn't be showing them before launch you know yeah, that yeah. that it that's sounds like bad they're of
0: doing this. They're they're having their cake and eating it too at the expense of the the consumers a little bit, and and it it does it does seem to rub the wrong way. Um, I, I have to I have to jump in and say that we
1: haven't fully addressed the eleven character roster. We did talk about it, but. I, again Capcom does that like you know if they throw out 11 characters to start the game with I get that the play styles and other stuff are very well accounted for I think the gameplay on this is great which I know we're going to talk about but 11 characters just the number alone should give people a sticker shock mm-hmm. like 11 characters this is what we get and instantly we have two DLC packs and basically the game costs 90 bucks because yeah I, I bought the DLC from day one I'm like you know what I'm like I want these other characters I, I I'm not going to get a great experience if I don't buy it. I really felt obligated to buy it, and there it is. I don't actually
2: think 11 is that bad when it's a brand new uh, IP. The reason uh, Capcom will flag for it is because it's Street Fighter 5. You know, if you look at Blaze Boot, that also launched with I think 10 when it first started back on the 360, and uh, Persona, Arena. I don't know how many it was, but it would definitely it can have been 15. It must have been lower than that.
3: Yeah, I want to say 12 well, off the top of my head, but I don't know if that's right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so starting a brand new franchise and having 11 characters, I don't think that's necessarily bad. What's bad is two months after release, you already have five more characters. And that well, sounds like a those... good thing. The problem is that it all costs 30 more bucks.
0: Right. Did all those titles cost $60 to begin with? Because I know there's other yeah. games that are maybe not, especially if you're talking about uh, a new franchise that isn't established. And I guess this is its just new for fighting games. The, the Grand Blue IP has been around. Um, but... Okay, so given that it's a new kind of starting off, well, then does it come in with a $60 price tag to have 11 characters? Because at the end of the day, you are saying here's this limited roster compared to what other games are doing and, and how much they're costing. Um, and, and the number of characters in a fighting game is a, I, I would argue, is a very valid uh, point to, to say, you know, this is how much content you're getting when it comes to this game. And that does seem relatively low, given that they're giving you the same price tag as other
2: titles that have more. The only fighting game I can remember off the top of my head that didn't come with a sixty dollars price tag was Blue Cross Tag Battle. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any other that launched without the full price tag.
0: What about like uh, I, I'm thinking like Battle for the Grid, the Power Rangers game. Oh yeah, uh,
2: I don't know. I that I would be shocked if that went for sixty. I, yeah, but.
3: that that launched at twenty bucks, and I think it launched with eight or nine characters, and then they added right. three more for free after that along with so the that's list. what i Dakota would...
1: is a battle for the grid expert so if there's a question you have at all he will he will know it inside and out so yes
0: anyways that's that's kind of the comparison i make given the way you you set it up there and and kind of compared and contrasted it's like well then maybe should this fall into more of that category and it's like well no because this is side games and it is an established ip that's already had a lot of success in other avenues but so is power rangers you know so I don't know, maybe maybe it should have like a $40 price tag for 11 characters and then your $30 additional. I mean, maybe that's... A, a, I could digest that a little more than, you know, $90 for these 11 plus characters.
2: Yeah, the problem is it's not just characters because they have a gigantic RPG mode in the game as well. Yes. Like their story mode that's is... That's an argument. Uh, Playtime-wise, their story mode is bigger than any other story mode I've seen in a fighting game and it works like a co- co-op um, beat-em-up, you know? And so it's it, available at launch. Oh yeah, it's, oh, wow. it's already. It's got already. a lot
0: of things yeah. on Street Fighter Five. Then but go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, you have uh, a lot of elements from the source game there. You have like side quests. You have character building quests. You have all these weapon drops, uh, customizable like to your character. Um, like I'm not saying this is some revolutionary super mode, but like looking at the game, if you if you aren't like being a bit. Uh, how do you say disingenuous, mm-hmm. I think anyone would agree that it is definitely a sixty dollar game. I think it's that, in a sixty dollar experience, yeah, I think the big issue again is that you're like adding almost fifty percent to the roster within just two months like that the even if these characters weren't ready at launch, which is entirely possible, if they can knock five characters out in two months, that makes everyone think why didn't they just delay the release by two months, you know? Yeah. All right.
0: So we've talked some smack, and uh, but I want to move on and turn it to Catalyst here. You have a handful of things in your eight or so hours of experience thus far that, uh, that you've highlighted as pretty, as pretty good experiences. Can you give me one of your best favorite things about the game?
1: Yeah, Nick actually just talked about it in the RPG mode. Uh, the gameplay in it, just to give people an idea, you do all of your normal combos, uh, attacks, and all that other kind of stuff. But you have random mobs, random characters that come out and attack you. And it plays, it plays like kind of like almost a final fight, like beat beat 'em up. But you're doing, you have full and complete control of your character. It's really cool. Like, and then the boss battles come up. That's something Dakota talked about in his review. And you have some epic moments that go on. The gameplay in RPG mode is unbelievably good it is it is a a shining star the problem with rpg mode is the writing is freaking terrible it is <laughs> uninteresting it does not grip you at all this is a game that is a, a based it's a mobile rpg that is well known for its story and i'm like oh man this is going to be great i'm going to be able to learn more about the characters it's going to you know it's i want a compelling story and it's like it's basically like oh you know this character is going to go over there well i'm going to go over there and follow this character this character might be good this character might. it's the lamest crap i have seen thrown out in like a, a a game that's supposed to be all about its story and all about the characters i could not believe how terrible the writing is not bad it is terrible the gameplay is phenomenal the writing is ugh.
0: So. <laughs> and the two of you have anything to weigh in on the uh, the rpg
2: um i mean story-wise it's like i don't think their goal with the story mode was to bring in new players i think the goal was to uh, appeal to the players uh, from the mobile game because they aren't really going into depths and retelling stuff that Granblue Fantasy players would already know, but they're giving a new story because Beelzebub, like the villain here, he's been talked up in the mobile game already, but they never showed him. They only had, that's why he was called Chaos Bringer before they actually released him, because they talked about him. Like in Japanese, he was called the Hooded Man. And then they translated that to Chaos Bringer for whatever reason. So you saw this hooded man in the background and he would be doing stuff. And now in verses, you can actually fight him. They're like, It's a part of an ongoing story. So going in without being a fan, I can understand why you'd be very underwhelmed and confused and be like, "What? what is this even about? What's the point? Uh, Because it's definitely more appealing to people who are already familiar with it.
3: In some aspects, yeah, the writing does feel kind of bare bones and it doesn't feel as, I don't know, enticing to me as, say, like Persona 4 Arena's story did as a continuation of the Persona line going into a spin-off fighting game but at the same time it's i I still think is that it's serviceable for what it's doing but it's yeah it doesn't really pull you in and grip you like you kind of want it to especially for new fans like
0: john was saying
2: Hmm. tell me about the music the music is absolutely amazing
0: i i wanted to throw that out there and see which one of you jumped on at first because i figured because that's one of the things that i've heard highlighted the most is it just takes you on this wild beautiful musical ride uh that you were saying
2: Uh, the music is just fantastic. Like, uh, there's a lot of different genres meshed in here, and most of these songs uh, are, like, new arrangements from games that were already in Granblue. And, I mean, we mentioned before, Psygames has a lot of money. They had Nobu Uematsu, the classic Final Fantasy composer, come in and do, like, I think he did the main theme. They have a bunch of different composers doing different types of stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of pedigree to the composers. And uh, I don't think... Uematsu actually did anything in versus specifically, but they have all these character songs, and now they've been rearranged to be more fighting game esque. And uh, some of them play so well, like they—the first time you hear them, you might not like; they might not land, land entirely. You're not going to think they're bad, but you feel kind of like background music. But the more you play, the more they stick in your head.
1: Yeah. The, the music fits the atmosphere of the game extremely well. I love the music. But yeah, Dakota. I was going to say,
3: like, all, pretty much all the character themes I can think of, I can just, immediately when the match starts, I'm like, yeah, Low Wayne, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Everything's just so good. Like, what I want to say earlier is, like, pretty much everything in the game just feels very polished. Like, there's 11 characters, but they're all polished to a nice sheen. <laughs> that everything just feels complete
0: even if it is small to some people but it's it's immaculate and you you mean with the presentation the visuals the 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 audio i'm are we talking gameplay uh, yet or are we just talking about play, presentation
3: pretty much everything aside from maybe the writing as john pointed out but everything yeah just feels very polished and immaculate and the music i can just sit on the menu theme or in training mode and just have the music going for tens of minutes while I'm on my phone or something, looking something up, and it's just
0: so good. How does it feel, on average, when you're coming out of a match? Um, Do you find yourself feeling fulfilled, satisfied, angry, frustrated, a sense of injustice, a sense of justice? What's it like?
3: (laughs) I think this is one of the most rewarding fighting games I've played online. Um, Like I'd say for me, playing something like Street Fighter V or even Smash Ultimate, I sit down and I can maybe do like 3 to 5 sets at a time before my nerves just take full hold of me and I just I can't deal with it anymore cuz it's just nerve-wracking but with Grand Blue everything is kind of laid out bare like characters have dirt characters have BS but everything feels not fair but everything feels like it has an answer and so if hmm. you get hit by something You see what you get hit by, and you can internalize immediately. Okay, I got hit by that. What did I do to get hit by that? And move on from there. And you can immediately just jump back into training mode and lab it out. Or you don't even have to lab it out because you can just see it and understand it. And I feel like that understanding as you play is one of the great things about this game because it leads to a pretty satisfying loop that just has me coming back for one more set, one more set, one more set, because... I'm finding success even when I'm losing where it's just... Like, I feel like I'm learning and improving all the time. Whereas in Street Fighter Five, I I don't always feel that. Because I don't always feel like I get to play <laughs>
0: sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Do you feel the same way?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, if we're going to make a direct comparison to Street Fighter V since... I mean... Since it's that's u- what we do. Yeah, it's usually what we talk about, right? <laughs> um, like, one thing that I feel is very different in this is... Um, Okay, so for some background information first, I play Matera, and she's a sonar, and she is very free in the corner. Like, if you get put in the corner, it's probably over. Like, it's very, very difficult to do anything at that point. So, it's similar in Street Fighter V in a lot of ways when you have a character who's weak on defense, like Alex, who I played in Street Fighter V a lot. uh, Where if you get put in the corner and the opponent has you knocked down, it's very difficult to get out of there. So... In this situation, what any good player would tell you is make sure not to uh, get into that situation to begin with. You know, Look at why did you get stuck in the corner and avoid that happening next time,
0: yeah? And you feel like you have the tools to be able to do that? In,
2: yes, in Granblue I feel like I do. In Street Fighter, I feel like I do to a certain extent, but there are also lots of things that would just put me in the corner regardless of what I do, is how I feel. Yeah. And in Granblue, I don't feel that at all because in Granblue, I feel like, okay, Sure, there's BS, just like Dakota says. There's, like, Gran is a dirty, dirty... Mm. He's a dirty boy. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't have answers to his stuff. Sure, I'm putting myself a little bit more risk than he is, maybe, but there are still answers that I can go to. And even though, you know, even though you can get these sets where you just feel like, oh, that was so unfair, why did I lose? I played him, like, the whole round. In this... It makes me want to press rematch and I'll play them again and actually win. In Street Fighter V, it makes me want to throw my stick out the window. <laughs> so I feel like I have more control of my own fate than I did in certain other fighting games.
1: Oh. Yeah, coming from a Street Fighter V background, I can say if you have not played this game, um, it has a very distinct arcs style to it where the movement is super smooth and very, like, you can really dash and move around the screen. Your mobility options are fantastic. And where this game does really shine is the, the gameplay. It is A phenomenally playing game and it actually in my opinion sets the standard for what should be in the fighting game community going forward games should be copying exactly what grand blue fantasy versus does going forward as a complete standard and i am not joking and that where i go into that is the game's cooldown system for special moves the simple input system it is a beautiful system and again if you do not emulate this in some way shape or form you are stupid that is how strong I feel about it. And they have not necessarily made this the, they did not maybe originate it entirely, like Rising Thunder probably gets credit more more so for this. But the way they have implemented it, the way the simple inputs work, the way the cooldown systems work, it is such a great way to introduce people to fighting games and both nick and dakota have mentioned like even if you want to go away from simple inputs in some instances they are still valid in others the the one frame dp as they talk about is still perfectly valid so if you learn the game with simple inputs It doesn't mean you have to quit using them entirely at some point. You can keep using them. It is a brilliant system. Again, I cannot state this hardcore enough. It needs to be the standard going forward in every fighting game. And if you
2: don't do this, you are stupid. I just want to correct you real fast. Because you, you, I think you meant one button DP, but you said one frame DP, and I don't know oh, yeah, people sorry. expecting well, yeah, one frame DP. Yes. The <laughs> <game>. <laughs> wow, yes. that's, that's going to be really hard. Uh, in yeah. Alex, and they
0: did. Well, yes, one button um, DP. My apologies. <laughs> right on. now, Dakota, you mentioned that this has been a really good game to play online. Have you been able to play locally or just online?
3: Um, well, I mean, with being kind of uh, stuck in the house, I haven't really gotten to play anyone offline so yeah it's pretty much just been all online for me and being in the midwest can be kind of a struggle if you're not in discord yeah i've heard stuff. that
0: the games online isn't that
3: great i actually i have fairly good luck with arxis online i feel like i know a lot of people don't but for whatever reason if i'm on wired i typically have a match that averages between two to four frames of delay which is in a in a game like Grand Blue is completely fine. <laughs> but if you go up into mm-hmm. the six to eight range, then that's where the water gets muddy and things get bad, especially if you're fighting a character like Charlotta or Matera that have BS that you need to react to and you can't in that delay. But from what I've experienced, just going in ranked just sitting in ranked and letting it kind of cycle i'm getting matches in under a minute the game's been out for a month in the west now and at pretty much any time of day and the matches are mostly fine like they're more fine than many of the other fighting games i've tried playing in the past few years so it's
0: perfect but it's not perfect but it's fine Makes sense nick you've been playing more locally
2: um yeah i'm a notorious online hater yeah,
0: and you, and you have, like, the best internet out of everybody ever because... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and so do you, have you tried playing the game online?
2: Yes, I have. I actually host a online tournament for Swedes every other week, which I stream on my channel, www.twitch.tv slash Come check it I'm out. I'm going to beep that out. Damn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And, and what's your... Oh, so from what you have seen online, does what Dakota said there resonate with you or different experience?
2: Yeah. Um, when I play against people who live relatively close, like Swedes or other neighboring countries, I get one frame stable. That's great. You know, you can't get better online than that. Like one frame delay stable. That's that's what it is. Like even I don't complain when it's one frame unstable and, and I really complain about online. You guys know that. But I mean, the problem is. And this isn't a Granblue problem. The problem is that Europe is a grouping of countries where you might not have that good of a connection against each other. Like, it's notorious for everyone who lives outside of the UK that they absolutely do not want to fight UK players because it's a nightmare. And for some reason, Irish players are better, even though they're further away. So I don't know what that's about. But So if I run into, like, a UK player or... Italian like even even like Germany France which isn't that far away it it's not that great but no fighting game really is at least for me uh, again I'm very I'm very much like a stickler for having a lag free experience so even the slightest bit of lag is gonna make me really annoyed that's why I mostly play offline
0: I want to go to, uh, over to John really quick. Is there anything that stuck out to you as particularly negative about your experience that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Yeah, the online matchmaking and the netcode all around are awful. This oh, okay. <laughs> doesn't even feel like a 2020 game. This feels like a game that was released 10 years ago. And, and that personally for me is a huge deal. Delay-based netcode, there is no excuse to have that in your game. It is ridiculous that you have it in your game. And I get it. I get there are some people who can have a good experience playing delay-based code. Dakota alluded to it. He said some people don't have a good experience. Some people do. For me, this is ridiculously awful. Rollback netcode is a proven fact that it is superior to delay-based netcode for most people, not everyone, but for most people, it is a better option to go to. It's just harder to do. And it is ridiculous to me that they did not bother with a AAA game where they have a lot of money and they are expecting people to invest a lot of money into this to not put in rollback code from the get go. And it is this is an atrocious experience online it's not bad it is atrocious this is horrible this is again this is 10 years behind the times to me that is how bad the net code is in this game it's like they just slapped it together and said ah it's fine that's good compare enough. it to street fighter 5 do it uh okay street fighter 5 has rollback code is that simple your your offline timing for your combos i'm in training mode for about 30 minutes each time waiting for a match because that's how it is on pc there's apparently not a lot of people playing on pc and it's because there's no crossplay. that right there is is a terrible design decision that they did not account for um it it just it just sucks so in my fifth match playing online i ran into someone with 300 wins 300 wins in my fifth match playing online that is ridiculous and terrible. It's like it's like running into like a grandmaster player when you've just started out. It's like come on! It's like that. What are you doing here? Like this is completely ruining my experience. And it's like I bought the game. I want to play it. And the main way I play games is online. The way the main way most people play games is online. You have to have rollback code. You cannot launch a game like this. It it made me want to refund the game. That's how bad it was. I, I this is one of the most atrocious experiences. And again, I just hyped up the gameplay and. A bunch of other things because it's legitimately amazing i want to play this game more i want to make this like my secondary game behind street fighter 5 i want to play it a ton i can't because of how terrible it is i could not
0: believe how terrible it was did you send a message to that 300 win guy after you broke his streak I did
1: and I said suck it no he kicked my ass he played Matera and I could not get in on at all but I, I knew again but it's also it's the online code it's like okay he's setting up a bunch of traps I'm trying to get around him but it's lagging so much and I don't have offline timing I don't have anything so I, I get an opening and guess what it lags out I can't finish my combo I can't do anything and I can't set this up how I normally do it's like have rollbacks have all this kind of stuff and put maximum effort into your net code because that's how a lot of people are going to play your game and and it, it's just I, I couldn't believe it. And to me, I think the game is going to die off in a year or two because guess what? The online community can't play it, and when online communities can't play your game consistently, you have only offline, and that works for a number of people in our community, but it doesn't work for the masses. And so, unless they come in and get a rollback code in there or do something like that, I think the game is going to fade in a year or two. I don't. Um, I don't.
2: Uh... I, sorry, I, I I need I need to ask one thing. You say this guy had three hundred wins, but what was his rank? Uh, it was,
1: I don't, I didn't pay close attention to it, it was like A+, plus or something like that, I'm like a C, or something, I don't know, um, I, I, I don't remember the exact ranks of it, so, how it works. Okay,
2: cause, um, hmm. I'm not, sh- hmm, okay, cause I think you guys were probably pretty close in rank if you were matched together. Like, even if you had 300 wins, I'm assuming you had a lot of losses as well in that case.
1: Yeah, I, the game doesn't show losses as far as I'm aware Yeah, of I don't
3: wins. think so either. Yeah, I, hmm. Uh, I'd assume that may be a problem with yeah trying to find somebody on PC on PS4. I'd say my match connections are typically within like two to three levels either way of my rank, and yeah, there are people that have like ten times the amount of wins that I do, but I mean I still can beat them. And I do agree that I I do think Grand Blue should have been the game for Arxis to put in rollback and to have and to put in. Crossplay as well, but we didn't even know the Steam version existed until it right before it launched. But I feel like, yeah, this game should have been the kind of lead up to Guilty Gear Strive, and whatever things they messed up on or needed to learn from in building a rollback structure should have been in Grand Blue that they then could have taken and probably perfected with Strive. But now we're going into Strive with. Arxis is his first attempt at rollback, which I don't know if that's going to be ideal for how it's going to move forward or not, but we'll see.
2: I mean, that's not really something you can put on Arxis, though, because this isn't their game. They're just developing it.
0: That's true. All right, Nick, you had a few uh, gameplay uh, points that you wanted to bring up.
2: Yeah, I think the game is very good uh, overall. Obviously, I'm playing it all the time, and I really love it, but... Um, there are a few improvements I'm hoping to see with, like, coming patches. Obviously, they're gonna make balance changes, you know, characters are gonna get worse, characters are gonna get better, that happens with every fighting game, it's whatever. But, uh, like, system-wise, I've I've had a very hard time trying to, like, reconcile how I feel about the system. Like, like, because one of my gripes is that I feel like there's a little bit too little to do on defense, which is a problem a lot of people have with Street Fighter V as well. Um, and, At the same time, when I play Matera, you can't add a system mechanic, which is very good on defense, because that nullifies her weakness, which is being in the corner. So what I've been thinking is I would like to see some sort of payoff for doing just defend that isn't just gaining bar, because as it is right now, you have a block button. Uh, which I actually never use, but uh, you can use it. And it's an easy way to get out of cross-ups and stuff. And the drawback to using the block button is you can't do Just Defend with a block button. You have to actually use a stick if you, uh, you want to do, or, the, or a pad, if you want to do the um, Just Defend. But the only thing a Just Defend actually gives you is more meter. And meter is only used for supers and you're almost guaranteed to get a full bar during the round either way. So I would like to see something of value to adjust Defend, like not necessarily a push block or anything, but, you know, something, some better frame advantage, maybe because that's how it works in Guilty Gear, you know, something like that. Um, and also some areas that, where maybe you can use meter outside of supers, which could also like tie into this, having, because that's another Guilty Gear thing where you have... Uh, I think it's called faultless defense where you actually kind of push block but you burn a little bit of bar to do it so taking a little bit more from guilty gear but not that much i think would help the game but at the same time you can't do it too much because then a character like matera would suddenly get super powerful because being in the corner isn't that bad of a thing anymore uh, but i do think it needs a little bit more defense
0: makes sense
2: Is that all that's gameplay wise that's probably the main thing I was thinking about oh actually one more thing I need to bring up because you guys were both talking about playing against Matera players in delay and as a Matera player that offends me on a deep level because it's Matera who (laughs) suffers in delay because Matera is the one who has to react So I, I will go you to know my death.
1: When she has 50 arrows on screen <laughs> and I'm trying to get through all of them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the other the thing on there. But I, no, I get what you mean. It's a, I think it's a frustrating experience for anyone yeah. when latency f- factors in. But those 50 arrows, man, I'm telling it, people really need to watch like a great player play Matera because it's so impressive how many projectiles she gets on screen and like how little the gaps feel like they they're not there you know kind of yeah. thing it's like oh, what do i do with this and it's i i know i've been playing fighting games a long time i know they're there you know kind of thing yeah. it's just it feels very overwhelming it's kind of awesome though um not so much what is happening to you but uh, awesome when
2: you see i it. recommend uh, anyone who is interested in checking out matera to look at Taichi. he's a uh, japanese player and he actually used to play you in persona arena which is also a bow user <laughs> so that's probably why he picked matera and he's amazing and he streams and you should check him out
0: Uh, I have one last question I wanted to ask everybody, and a little bit of a rapid fire, uh, but you can give a little bit of an explanation if you have one. Uh, John, you already sort of tapped into this um, when we were talking about the netcode and such. This is a relatively new game still, and... We see new fighting games pop up every so often. Sometimes they're already established franchises and they stick around for a while until their next uh, numbered entry pops up. Sometimes they're brand new and they hit a home run and they become part of the regular family. But oftentimes you get a month or two in, people are excited at the beginning and then it kind of fizzles out and it becomes just another you know game that, that had its time and then it's over with, um, especially like in the competitive community. So with this game there's a lot going for it it's got a lot of money behind it people are really happy thus far it's not perfect it's got a few issues but so far none of them has jumped out to me as potentially a a death blow for this game save for the fact that it's coming out at a time where people are pretty restricted and only going to be able to play online a lot because of the whole coronavirus quarantine everybody's staying indoors right now it's got that working against it so, taking that into account, as well as the general experience, how long do you think this game is going to last and and stay in the public spotlight? John, you already kind of said you don't think it's going to go too long. Yeah, just a year or two for me. Okay. How
2: about you, Nick? Um, the only, like, variable is what you said about coronavirus, because... We don't know how long this thing is gonna last and it really is killing the momentum for Grand Blue specifically, so it like we don't know the balance changes they're gonna do, if there are more scummy DLC practices, you know. It's very hard to foresee that kind of stuff. But like based on what people are saying about the game, based on how much they're playing it, based on how much they're grinding online and how much everyone is just genuinely loving this game right now, I would honestly give it five years. Five years. Dakota.
0: I think that
3: i I do have some questions for its longevity and a lot of that actually comes down to the Arc world tours just complete cancellation this year this is that is the big like shooting it in the kneecap pretty much like killing all of the momentum it had going into its release going into like the start of what should have been the tournament season for the game and the money and all of that and now it's not there and by the time it's back, I don't know if maybe, with Guilty Gear Strive coming out later this year and next gen, I don't know if that's going to stifle the game enough to bring it down to where it doesn't have that longevity that it needs, but I I am concerned that it's in some aspects that it might not last as long as it should because of factors outside of its control right now, and that's really a bummer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a drag in <laughs> a lot of different respects of life right now, but uh well, a big part of that comes down to just like how fun the game is, how fun the experience is, how many times people are going to choose to do this over something else with their free time or if it's us with their work time, right? So uh, it sounds like it has a fighting chance um, and and I'd really like to see it in more normal circumstances, but alas, here we are. So uh, my fingers are crossed for it though, because I think we could, uh, any any success, especially in the esports competitive fighting game realm, I think is really important to have right now and from what i've been hearing locally from what i've been hearing on social media and then of course from you guys overall this is a pretty good game it stands out as maybe better than your average you know just this the new game of the year kind of a thing and and i'm hoping that it sticks around for a while myself all right that's all the time we have for this week thank you guys very much for joining uh, both dakota and nick as our special guests Do you guys have anything else you want to say to the people all right, sounds good. Well, <laughs> I just want to I was say you go to oh, go first.
3: Okay. I was going to let you go first, but okay. Um I just want to say that I think Grand Blue, you know, might be my favorite new fighter of this generation. Like I love Smash, but it didn't enthrall me to keep coming back and hitting training and doing all of this. Like I haven't had a fighting game hook me like this since Persona 4 Arena, and I feel like this is this generation's Persona 4 Arena and The good and the bad ways, kind of. And, yeah, I I think that if you have any interest in 2D fighters in general, you might not want to go out and immediately purchase this game, but I I implore you to try this game. Please.
2: Uh, all right, so I feel pretty similarly to the Coda in that sense. Uh, I'm actually a gigantic fan of the new Samurai Shodown, but Samurai Shodown is a very good side game, as I've explained before. Uh, I don't really sit and lab that much in it, just when we get a new patch and I check some stuff, you know? Um, so that part about like wanting to grind in training mode and sitting for a few hours and testing stuff out, I definitely feel here, which I didn't really feel in Samsho because of the way the game's set up. It's more of a... Like, very focused on the mental game. Uh, I can't really decide between the two, which I like more. I, people have been asking me, and I've been saying, right now I like Sam show more, but, like, given some time, Granblue is probably gonna eclipse it for me. So, I have very high hopes for uh, the continued future of Granblue. I'm enjoying it a lot. And I really, really, really hope that Psy Games and is add secret do you really i really really do (laughs) right on john anything
1: oh um it's uh, coming back at it from a you know street fighter 5 capcom you know fighting game angle and all that kind of stuff there's a lot of good here it's just there's a lot of bad too um for the things that i care about and the things a number of other people care about it's it is very much worth taking a look at there is a Man, there's some great stuff here. In uh, Arxis, they're just top-notch developers. Um, but damn it,
0: did they ever screw up some parts of it that are just hard for me to get over? And uh, But there it is. Well, sounds like if you have an inclination towards this, if, if this game catches your eye for any reason, probably worth exploring, putting down your 60 to $90 to, uh, to check out these 11-plus characters and whatnot. Maybe not if you're not uh, gung-ho about it to begin with. Um, maybe hang out for a little bit, wait until there's a discount on everything, and uh, and check it out later if that's you. But it sounds like for those that would already be kind of intrigued by this, it sounds uh, it's going to be a well-worth venture. So I think that's all we have for Grand Blue. Thank you guys very much for checking out the Event Hubs podcast again this week. Hope you have a good, safe week, and uh, we'll see you next time.
3: Perfect.